Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today our guest is Caitlin Muldoon. And Caitlin is a former tech consultant who's turned into a successful real estate investor and mentor. She's built client relationships, solved problems through software design, and her entrepreneurial journey took an unexpected twist when she became a landlord in Denver at just 24 years old. And that really ignited her passion for real estate, leading her and her husband to acquire multifamily properties across Colorado, Michigan, and Arizona. And they've invested in over $50 million worth of real estate today. And now living off of her real estate income, her primary focus is now empowering women to achieve financial freedom through her company, Solstice Investing Group, where she mentors, coaches, and provides a community for women interested in taking control of their wealth. So Caitlin, it's super exciting to have you on the show. Welcome. And how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on, Eileen. Caitlin, can you share a little bit more about your background and how you got started with real estate? Yes. I live in Colorado. And I got here by way of CU Boulder back in 2002. And I graduated there with an anthropology and French major. And I was one of those people who had changed majors multiple times in college and had no idea what she wanted to do professionally. But I did know that college was the next normal step for me after high school. And I loved the outdoors. So that was pretty much my criteria when I chose to go to college in Colorado. And after I graduated, I had sent resumes all over the place. And I did not want a job in tech consulting, but that's where I landed. And on the outside, it didn't look like the right fit for me. But as it turns out, I had a knack for listening to clients talk about their work routine and their struggles. And then I was able to translate that to my team of developers while we collaborated on a software solution. So I realized that I didn't have to consider myself with special skill sets such as programming or sales, but I was actually able to have conversations with people and get to the problem of what their problems were and analyze and brainstorm with people and figure out a solution. So this is not what I had thought technology looked like, but to my great surprise, this was my technology world and I loved it. And I eventually became a lot more technical just by being part of these conversations. And I turned this into a 15-year career. And I was able to work on teams like that. And towards the end of that career, I decided to make a change. And I went to work for a startup company that had a great mission. However, long story short, I became completely burnt out in that role. And I also think I was suffering a little bit from that pandemic grind. And my husband and I no longer had childcare for our children. So we were sharing duties while trying to work full-time jobs. And I felt that I was not met with a team at work who was really understanding of that. So I felt guilty and depleted and no longer motivated. And so at that point, this was in 2021, I decided to quit my job. And I hadn't lined up another gig and I had no intention of finding something else. And financially, that was actually fine for my family. And the reason for that is because in parallel 
to that story, I had made a few real estate decisions soon after graduating college that eventually morphed into a real estate portfolio. And at the time that I left my job, that real estate portfolio was worth over $6 million. And it all started not because I had any ambition of being a landlord, but because I decided after a couple of years post-college paying high rents in a city where I didn't have any family that I wanted some stability and I wanted to stop shipping away those rent checks. And for me, home ownership was the answer. It's interesting because when you think about technology and the background that you've had, that field and that industry is not exactly what you had anticipated, but it was more of working with the people aspect of it, building those relationships, which in real estate, that's what it's all about. I could not agree more. And if anybody had asked me at that time, if I could see myself being a real estate investor, I would have said hands down, no. But what I didn't realize at the time, and I think a lot of people don't realize this about real estate investing, is that there's way more to it than just number crunching and having a lot of experience in the finance world. It's also a lot about being analytical and understanding people. And real estate is so much about meeting a need as well. So being able to understand that and see patterns is really valuable trait to have in real estate investing. So when you said that after college, you were looking for financial stability, you found real estate to be the path to get you there, especially coming out as a new college student, how are you able to build out that initial portfolio and look at where you wanted to purchase different properties and then find the capital to be able to meet those goals that you had set out. Yeah. So this was just to give you an idea of the timeline. This was in 2008 when I got the idea in my head that homeownership was my way out of kind of throwing rent checks away and my answer to being able to have some roots in Denver. And that was also in the time of the Great Recession and the housing market was not great at any point in the country. And Denver certainly was feeling that. And there were a number of foreclosures. And it was a good time if you had a job and if you had some money to be able to purchase a home. For me, I had a paycheck for the past 18 months, a good steady paycheck. And it was my first real professional paycheck. And I had also had some savings from other jobs that I had through college, even honestly, through high school. I had been saving a ton. And I was lucky enough to have enough money for a down payment. It was 2008. And I was able to take advantage of the first-time homebuyers tax credit. So I think that all of those things really aligned. And it being 2008, I was able to find a house that was priced really well in Denver. And this was a very up-and-coming neighborhood. And I would say it was the early side of that up-and-coming neighborhood. And I also was able to recruit a roommate. It was a dear friend who had already been living with me through college and after college. And without knowing it, I was house hacking. So she came and she lived with me and she was helping me cover the mortgage. And at that time, I wasn't thinking of myself as a landlord. I didn't have goals to be a landlord. I was just thinking, this is great. I have a house. We're in a neighborhood that isn't as fancy as where we used to live. There's certainly some additional risks here, but we had a little yard and we had a great kitchen. 
we were able to walk to different parks. And it was really an awesome spot to be at that point in our lives. And I was able to take advantage of building equity on a home with the help of a roommate and having bought that home at a time when the market was pretty low. And then fast forward to during the pandemic time, you mentioned about having a family and it was challenging. And I think we all kind of felt it because we were all working from home and with the kids trying to figure out how do we keep them entertained for the entire day at the same time working your full-time job and still being able to perform was definitely a challenge. Oh, it was such a challenge. And I always say, I can't think of anyone who had it great during that time. Grateful that I was with my family. And I know a lot of people didn't have camaraderie during that time. And a lot of people had older kids and they had to make really tough decisions about remote schooling and how to let their kids interact socially. So there were a lot of things that I was grateful for, but I also felt just like I had no idea how to keep my career going and then also how to be a good mom and a good partner and how to get a reasonable amount of sleep every night. So yeah, that was really tough. And I will say, even though I really wanted to make my career work, it felt good knowing that there was this real estate portfolio kind of happening in the background. And we were lucky enough not to have a big hit in rents during that time. And I know that a lot of residents and landlords kind of struggled to collect rent. Residents were struggling to pay it. But We didn't see a lot of delayed rent coming in, but it was really nice knowing that we had that additional income stream. Do you think you would have made the same decision during that time if you didn't have your rental portfolio? Definitely not. And if you're talking about the decision for me to leave my job eventually, yeah, I I mean, I think that my mindset had already changed several years prior. Just knowing that I have an option. This is not what I have to do. I think it truly made me a better employee because I would show up to work knowing that I'm not just here for the paycheck. I'm here. I'm wanting to make a difference. I'm wanting to work on a team. And I was able to speak up more. And I think that knowing my personality, speaking up and really stating what I need is not something that comes natural to me. And I do need a little bit of encouragement to do that. And I think my real estate portfolio actually gave me that encouragement. And it was a bit of an extra support holding me up and making me better at my job, honestly. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So then... When you made that decision, what did you do afterwards after you had left your full-time job? And what did you start to focus on in real estate? Yeah, great question. So at first, to be honest, I did struggle. I think I had a little bit of an identity crisis. And I had 
this opportunity where I could have felt victorious. I had hit a goal that my husband and I talked about many years prior. And I guess just to back up a little bit and the picture some more, back in 2017, I think would be the year that really things started to shift in our real estate investing portfolio. And that's also when we had our first child and we started to use additional tools to help grow our portfolio. We took out a home equity line of credit so that we could leverage that and be able to purchase homes at a faster rate. But right before 2017, I actually had been riding this wave with my husband where we felt like, oh my God, we've now acquired another rental property and we're seeing the checks come in. And we were just keeping those in business accounts, not touching them, not giving any distributions to us at that time and saying, you know what, let's just let this go right back into the business, watch it grow. And once we hit a point where this rental business is producing as much income as one of our salaries, we should talk about one of us completely stepping away or both of us stepping away part-time and really being able to live the life that we want to live because we felt like real estate was helping us work to live and not the other way around. And that was a bit of a, a shift mentally based on how we were raised. And so we felt really good about having real estate do that for us. And then in 2017, when we started to have children, the goalposts, I would say, were moved. <laughs> and I think that we shifted in our mentality and starting to think about now there's this new generation of our family that we need to look out for. So financially, what does that look like? And I think that our goals really shifted from let's just fund a life of adventure for the two of us and make sure that we can get by to, okay, let's fund a really positive life for our family, but also make sure that we have some generational wealth built up to provide for our children and give them opportunities that we feel are important. So once we made that shift, we never really redefined what is our new financial goal? And we were just kind of falling into the grind again, trying to make sure we should keep working. We have careers and we have dreams in those careers. Let's keep kind of chasing them. And we never paused to say, you know what? Remember when we were building this real estate portfolio, we were going to stop at a certain point. And so when I did walk away from my job, it took me a little while to reflect on, well, hold on. We had set goals and we worked really hard to get to those goals. And now here I am. And what I wanted to do with my time from there, in addition, by the way, to how I like to answer that question of, so what do you do now is I like to do a lot of mountain biking and trail running and be able to ski and swim and play with my kids and my husband. And I wanted to make sure that I reserved time and put those things first. But I also really wanted to keep the real estate game going. So back in 2021, after I stepped away from my job, I was thinking, with all this extra time I have, I'm going to just invest like crazy. I'm going to find all the deals. And fortunately, that was really hard to do. I think that all of us who were investing at that time know how difficult it was as compared to previous years. In 2021, the mortgage rates were not even as scary as they are now, but they felt a lot harder to work with because they were higher than they had been for a while. And also the housing markets were tough. Everything was appreciating like crazy. And it was just really hard to make the numbers work. And I started to get frustrated. 
I certainly wasn't finding the volume of deals that I had found in previous years. And that's actually where I made the decision to start looking into syndications, not to be a syndicator, but to start passively investing into other syndications. Because what I noticed is that some syndicators were able to do things that I couldn't do in certain markets that I was looking at. So they were able to find, first of all, great off-market deals and get really competitive lending terms and also get pretty low cost and high quality renovations for their value add. So I realized that I could start being a part of those deals and start diversifying my portfolio that way. And so that's what I did. And I've been able to get a really great experience in passive investing now in multifamily as well as self-storage and car washes. And it's been a great experience for me to learn that side of the business. And then just to kind of see what am I interested in chasing after on my own. There might be certain asset classes that I never have invested in personally, and I'm kind of getting a taste for those. Prior to investing in your first syndication deal, had you been exposed to that side of investing in the past before or was that something new? No, that was definitely new. And I had heard the term syndication because a lot of people were saying like they'd look at my real estate investing track record and say, okay, is syndication the next step for you? And there was a period in my life where I felt like maybe that would be the case. And really, the only knowledge that I had about syndication came from that period in 2021 when I just started researching a ton. And that tends to be how I operate. I really get heads down and satisfied by research. And I just love learning. It was really cool for me to be able to dive into that. And once I came out the other side of that research, I felt like I had already experienced vetting operators because I had been doing that over the phone, just figuring out what are some credible operators out there and what questions do I ask them and how do I really pick apart their deals. And I would call them and get practice talking with a lot of operators and then really figuring out where I wanted to be as an LP on the capital stack and also learning about how to dive through a PPM and making sure that I was asking all of the right questions on new deal webinars. And then once I was entered into a deal, how to make sure that I can grab those reports that I'm getting on a monthly or a quarterly basis and make the sense that I needed to make out of each of those deals. Is there typically maybe one or two questions that you like to ask all the sponsors that you're working with as you're vetting them to really get a good sense of whether or not it might be the right partner for you to join up with? Yeah. In terms of the right fit, I've noticed that my deal criteria really changes based on where I am in my life. So that could mean maybe I'm looking for a shorter term deal with higher cash flow. Or maybe I'm not as interested in cash flow. And sometimes I want the operator to know from me, in fact, and not the other way around, like, hey, I'm okay with you not deciding to refinance at a certain point as long as I'm getting the equity multiple that I'm expecting at the end of this deal rather than a certain amount of cash flow every so often. But I would say that the questions that I really lean on when I'm vetting operators, especially if it's a new operator for me, is 
have they exited deals before? I definitely want to know what kind of experience they have, how that deal on paper looked versus what their terms were when they entered into that deal. I always want to know what kind of reserves every operator plans to have for each deal and what their backup strategies are. Let's say you're not able to achieve a certain interest rate at this time. Do you have the ability to hang to hold a property longer? Do you have the ability to negotiate? Are you capped at certain rates? So I always like to really have a conversation and not just email a question over about what backup plans are, but just really be able to talk through a lot of different scenarios and get to see how that operator is thinking. So Caitlin, what's next for you? Ah, Great question. And as I mentioned, I think that It took me a little while to figure out what I think my ideal next steps are. For me, I have realized that I'm really fulfilled by helping other people learn about real estate investing. Just being able to reflect on what it has done for me has been so rewarding. It makes me feel a lot of gratitude and it makes me want to share that experience with other people. So I've been able to speak at a lot of workshops around Denver. I find it so fun to do that. And it's so fun to meet other investors and aspiring investors. At the end of last year, I started the Solstice Investing Group, which is a way for other women who are interested in investing to be able to connect and create community and find out about investing resources and opportunities. And I am really proud to say that most recently, I am partnering with Rising Fem Wealth. And our focus is really on delivering community and education to women to be able to get them to their uh, financial freedom goals. And that's something that I'm super excited about. Education, I think, is a really important piece of this. And it's something that I really have a lot of fun doing. So our goal there is to make sure that we see more women who are taking control of their wealth. And we're super excited about the resources that we're putting out. And how has real estate investing impacted your life, Caitlin? Ah, in significant ways. And I think that they're both obvious and not. So clearly it created a financial cushion for me and it gave me the freedom to quit my job and spend some time taking care of and learning about myself and my kids and my husband. It also gave me some really great tools that I think most people overlook when they're driven by money goals as they dive into real estate investing. And some of those tools are confidence in a way that allowed me to see like, whoa, I just validated with X amount of profit that all of the decisions I made going into this deal and all the hard work that we put into finding and managing it, they have all paid off. And that is a gratification that's more tangible, I think, than I feel than when I watch a, like a stock portfolio grow. And it has helped me realize had to practice a ton of patience and delayed gratification and a lot of risk management. And I'm able to say, wow, look at this. I now have all this equity or cash flow or a lump sum of money to go reinvest somewhere else. That feeling has just given me more confidence than I've ever felt in my academic or professional career. So I would say that confidence and control in those decisions and financial freedom that I now have, those have been just huge motivators for me to share this experience with others. And if there's one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started, what would that be? Uh, Surprisingly little, I guess, and still is so much that I don't know about real estate investing. It's like a constantly learning experience. But I'm glad that I started 
when I did. And I don't mean like in a particular year. I think that the valuable lesson is that you shouldn't wait until you're an expert. And, you know, definitely do your research and get started and continue to learn as you grow. You don't have to know all of the strategies or be as smart as you think the other investors are. Just play your own game and stay focused and grow at your own pace. And what is the one thing that sets those successful people apart in real estate investing? Mm, Living with fear. I think that fear is a very necessary and inevitable part of our brains when it comes to investing and a lot of other parts of life. But if we listen to all those fears every time, we won't see successful results. And I think that the most successful investors out there are the ones who are quieting the fear with their research and their underwriting and their motivation and results. So Caitlin, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you're doing? Always email me, Caitlin at solsticeinvest.com or come check out risingfemwealth.com and cruise over to our mailing list to find out when we open up our classes and when we offer other free events. Because we've got some cool resources that we're putting out, including a financial freedom guide for those who are wanting to be really strategic about hitting that goal. Awesome. Caitlin, thank you so much for all of your time today. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Eileen. It was great to talk to you. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.